This is a HeadGum Podcast. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Your specific facts will almost always change the outcome, and you should always seek an attorney before doing anything. Literally anything. Ryan Morrison is an attorney licensed in New York, and Austin and O'Connor are just normal humans not licensed to do anything anywhere. Proceed with caution. Welcome to Robot Congress. Yes, that is me, Ryan Morrison, back with not only my old bad microphone, because I left the good one at the office, but also back to replace O'Connor, who's not here this week. But unfortunately, Austin is here. Hello, Austin. I have been shoved aside for the intro, and you have been permitted to do it. That's right. No, but in all seriousness, you are suffering from laryngitis and will not be speaking much this episode. (laughs) Uh, It's really funny. You guys held, held the fort down for three weeks while I was gone. I super appreciate it. Uh, obviously legally light episodes, but that's fine. I mean, they're fun to, they, they were great. I listened to them all while I was it's traveling. It's some fluff uh, as opposed to all the crunch. Yeah. So this week we're going the other way. We're going to bring on Mark Whipple, an attorney who uh, I've known for quite a while now, since, basically since I became an attorney, who has worked in as interesting of places as you could have worked to understand gambling law. And we're going to talk about whether or not loot boxes are gambling in video games and some ancillary topics. But uh, for the most part, are loot box gambling? And I the can't answer wait to talk about this. Might surprise you, <laughs> they are. Loot boxes are gambling. And uh, now listen why. <laughs> and now we're going to be joined by Mark Whipple, former general counsel of Incredible Technologies and Meyer Glass Interactive, currently of counsel to Crawford Intellectual Property Law. You can find him at legalinspiration.com or on Twitter at legalinspire. Hello, Mark. Hello, good to be here. Thanks for having us. Uh, Mark, so I've known you a while now. We spoke on a panel a few years back, and uh, I believe we were just speaking on basic video game law. But before the panel started, we actually got into a a fun little debate about whether or not loot boxes were gambling. And then now a year later, it's a hot topic on Twitter and everywhere else right now. And uh, you immediately popped into my mind as someone I'd want to bring on here and, and run through this with. So first things first, do you want to run through the basics of of gambling and more so than that why you are familiar with it and why you are one of the people who just knows this better than most especially in the gaming industry well i was the general counsel of incredible technologies uh they make a video game a few of your listeners may have heard of called golden tea uh, is that is that still the most popular game in any bar ever (laughs) as far as i know it is the single most uh successful arcade cabinet game ever if you, depending on how you count, of course, because everybody sure. can uh, can play games. If you won't, if you pardon the expression, but uh, there are more golden tea cabinets in service right now than I think pretty much any other video game. Um, I've worked for them for a couple don't know of years. What that is golden. I'm tea. sorry. For our listeners that don't know what that is, golden tea is a. It sounds like a golf game. But golden tea yeah. is a video golf simulator. It is played. It's an you know what I would have called an arcade game in my misspent youth. It's a cabinet <laughs> game that you find in bars and restaurants and even arcades. Yeah, uh, where those that, still exist. That's why and you roll a trackball to control a golf ball to swing a golf ball. Yeah, yeah I mean everyone who's left their house knows what this game is. <laughs> uh, it uses Austin, a trackball. No. It doesn't use an. It doesn't use an actual. Austin's uh, not been in public in ten years. <laughs> I live in my cave. Yes, that's fair. <laughs> the reason that I became sort of a subject matter expert from both sides is that Golden Tea and some other products that uh, IT makes have tournaments that you can enter and play for money. 
and they are big business. They have world championships. They have uh, national championships, and local operators have tournaments all the time. And it's a lot of fun, and everybody loves it. But, of course, you are standing at a machine in a bar, putting money into it, and you could win money. And to many people, including uh, regulators of all stripes, that looks kind of suspicious. So I spent a lot of my time explaining to everybody from beverage commissions to gaming regulators and the occasional policeman or FBI agent uh-huh. uh, why Golden Tea is not a gambling device. And for me to do that, I had to be very familiar with what was a gambling device so that I could explain why we were not it. Uh, and then Incredible Technologies got into the video slot machine market. They make high-end video game video slot machines like you'd see in a high-end casino. Uh, they are all over the world and very successful and very cool. Uh, and if that's your thing, I recommend them. If not, then don't worry about it. Uh, so I had to learn what the rules were for regulated gaming devices, because even though it's legal to have a slot machine in a, in a, in a casino or even in a bar, if you have a video game act like Illinois does, uh, then you have to know what the machine can and can't do and still be within the legal limits of gambling. And we have seen this industry just constantly be ahead of where the law is. Uh, that's a big thing we do on this podcast all the time, is we talk about how the law is no, in no way caught up with, with reality. Uh, so it sounds like the industry was not ready for those kind of competitions and those kind of situations. And now we're seeing that exactly again here, where what, what a loot box is for people who are unfamiliar is basically in a game, uh, you pay $3 or whatever it might be, to open a chest in the game that will usually have about four items. And uh, those items can be the super rare, awesome thing you want, but are normally just the 10 cent piece of crap that, that no one cares about. Yeah. The kind uh, of stuff that you could get from just playing the game, that's what you'll usually get, but there's always that chance that you'll get something really cool that you can then show off or that can uh, en- enhance your gameplay in some way. And there's all varieties of it. So for Overwatch, for example, you can't get anything not in a loot box. You can earn the loot boxes just by playing, or you can pay a lot of money and get a bunch up front. Uh, obviously, paying and having more increases your chances of getting those cooler items. Uh, yeah. So from from a from a non-legal context, looking at that, that loot box, I'm paying you, let's just say it's a dollar. I'm paying you a dollar to open up this box that will randomly give me what I want or a bunch of stuff I don't want. And if I get the stuff I don't want, I will pay you another dollar, and I'll keep gambling until I get what I want. Uh, it's not gambling. Uh, it's you keep putting money into the machine, and well, you keep having but, that chance. But, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, joking aside, it's it, I think to the, the to the layman or to to uh, just basic common sense, I think it is pretty obviously what we mean by gambling. Oh yeah, legal. Do you disagree with that, Mark? Well, I would and I wouldn't because I need more information. You know, classic lawyer answer. It depends. I'm sure that your listeners maybe already hit the highlights of what constitutes gambling in most jurisdictions, but I'll just remind you. It's consideration, which means you have to pay something to play. Chance, which means there has to be some part of it outside of your control that determines the outcome of the game. And a prize. And, of course, a prize is something, uh, anything, of value. And to be clear on that, that's not money. Because I keep seeing that be argued on Twitter and everywhere else that, Oh, well, this isn't money, so it, it's not gambling. This isn't uh, a real currency, so it's not gambling. It, that will, in no way has anything to do with this, correct? I will tell you that, of course, I can't give your fine listeners legal advice, as I'm sure you've, oh, you've heard course, from you yeah. 50 million times. But as close as I'm ever going to get to giving actual legal advice to people on the Internet who are not my clients is this. No, it does not have to be money. 
It has to be something of value, period. And does it matter if it is value from a governmental regulation standpoint, meaning this is maybe not a currency, but it's something the government recognizes as a valued item? Or is it Absolutely something that... Absolutely not. If so, it is just something I value as a player. Well, that's getting close. Then we get into what value means. A value doesn't just necessarily mean you like it and you want it. Value means it has value. Um, so that can get a little dicey. If you can sell it to somebody, if you can transfer it to somebody, if somehow you can give it to somebody else who also wants it and exchange for some consideration, some payment, I would argue that under most gambling statutes, that is almost certainly something of value. If you can't, that doesn't mean it isn't something of value. It means it will be harder to prove. Sure. So, again, go, th this is the law versus layman or, or non-law. Uh, in, in a traditional sense, I really want some Metro's new skin, so I keep paying money until I finally get a box that opens up and gives me that. Uh, mm -hmm. To me, just without the legal definition, to me, that is gambling. However, you cannot trade for that skin. You can't sell it to third parties. There is no system for that in Overwatch which is very different than Counter-Strike, for example, where you can right. trade all your skins. Uh, so that's a major difference here, uh, it, it, as, if I'm understanding you right. Yes, and in a, in a system like Overwatch, where it's non, um, you know, the, the term the fancy finance people use is liquid. Um, you can't transfer it, you can't sell it, you can't somehow let other people have the advantage of it. Um, you know, although, could you sell your account to somebody? You're not supposed to. And that gets into another defense that comes up quite a lot about whether the person is in breach of contract or not, uh, whether you're violating the terms of service. But even then, if you could transfer it that way, that still might be of value. But assuming you don't actually give your account away, if it's a prize that's just on your on your screen, an achievement in WoW, even if it gives a mount or something, uh, an Overwatch, something of value in Overwatch that you can't transfer, it's a lot farther away from the traditional value definition of value that courts apply in gambling law. So then before we even chase that rabbit hole, because I, I very much am willing to, I think that that Symmetra skin that I really want, or, and I don't know why I say Symmetra, it's like the last hero I, I would play. It's the but, most noticeable but, name. Yeah, but it's also the coolest skin for Halloween, probably. But that Symmetra skin, for example, is when I get that, I feel cooler. The game is more enjoyable to me. Everyone I'm playing with says, oh my god, that's awesome. I'm going to go try to get it also. The mm -hmm. value there is not we're, I'm trading it. The value there is almost I've improved this experience and done marketing for them at the same time and et cetera, et cetera. You get a lot of dopamine uh, out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's that is value to me. I, I value getting that. I, and I know I that's think not from a lay context. perspective, that's yeah. totally right. I, I agree with you 100%. Now, would I be willing to argue against that if I was defending someone in, in, in a criminal trial? Sure. And depending on the jurisdiction, I might win or I might not. Also, would I be willing to defend a company that offers these against a class action lawsuit with that defense? Absolutely. In some jurisdictions, I would win. In some jurisdictions, I might not. And that's what's important to remember here also. We keep having this conversation on Twitter and journalists keep writing about it. And very few are acknowledging or noticing that gambling law is, is for the most part, a state issue where it's we have 50 different sets of gambling laws. Uh, and not to mention, of course, internationally, uh, Jazz Purewell responded to one of our tweets, who's an amazing UK attorney. But obviously on this podcast, we discuss American law for the most part. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a mess here. Ga our gambling laws are very tricky. And, and the fantasy esports to fantasy regular sports to just straight up sports betting 
not even that's all worked out to a way where everybody's comfortable. And I'll give you an example of where that even goes further down a jurisdictional rabbit hole for your for your lawyer, your uh, listeners who like to hear rules lawyering. There is at least one federal law that makes particular aspects of operating a ga- what is allegedly a gambling operation illegal if it violates any state law, which means a prosecutor in New York could theoretically prosecute somebody for operating somebody even if they're. You know, obviously the Internet is everywhere, so it's a whole nother nightmare question. But even if they're operating, say, in Nevada, where it's perfectly legal, but if they then start offering it to people in New Hampshire where it's not, he can he can prosecute you in the federal district court for New Hampshire because it's illegal in New Hampshire. Yeah. And if it's online, then someone could just use it from any state or anywhere else, right? Well, right. they there can are, lock in you know, jurisdiction and venue and, and things like that, as, as all lawyers know, are nightmare questions that we don't need to dive into. I just want to make everybody very aware, even if it's legal where you are, you could still be in violation of federal law because it's illegal somewhere else. And we see that happen quite a bit. I get a lot of startups calling me saying, hey, you know, we check with Nevada. We're, we're going to be in Nevada. We're going to have our servers here. Uh, so we want to start this this uh, fantasy gambling website. Well, exactly what you just said, that that you're going to be liable everywhere that I can access your website from. And you can either do what the real gambling websites do. There's plenty of legal gambling websites out there. Uh, and, it, and if I try to act, access one from New York, it tells me to get out of here. It basically yep. says, sorry, you're not allowed to access this from New York. It's not like a warning, like if you're in New York, don't use this. I actually physically cannot use the website if I'm ac- accessing it with the New York IP address. I am. Yeah, there's that's one thing they do. I know that at some point there was some talk of some uh, two factor authentication deals that were going to be registered with uh, gaming regulatory agencies so that if you didn't have a registered thing and they couldn't prove you were within their jurisdiction, you couldn't do it. Um, This is huge money. The casinos, by the way, are very nervous about this and very excited because some of them are participating in the industry through the Internet and others aren't. So there is a huge lobby both ways. And if you think you know what the laws are, if you are not a gaming attorney with experience and at least one reference in the jurisdiction where you need to be, you are almost certainly wrong. Uh, Agreed. And uh, what a lot of websites do, not that I know personally because I would never gamble on sports online, uh, but it's – but I I mean in, in all seriousness, a lot of these websites now will let you put your money in. They'll let you gamble. And then when you want to withdraw it, you have to basically send in your driver's license. And if Mm -hmm. you're in a state where they're not allowed, they just don't give it to you. And their argument for that is then since you can't cash out, they've never hit the third factor of of any kind of value or or, uh, value received by the gambler. I don't know if that holds up, but that's certainly their argument. (laughs) Well, that would almost certainly hold up in any civil or criminal suit against gambling. It would not hold up in a suit for fraud. (laughs) Because if if they can prove (laughs) a pattern... That you is that you are basically taking money that you know you legally can't pay out and therefore just you know tough noogies you, uh, that's fraudulent and you can't do that. Yeah, I mean unless well, I mean what if they have a hey don't put money in here if you're in New York we're gonna check later. I, I suppose they could have better checks and balances on that and I, I certainly am no expert on gambling for a long but I, I with, agree with, with you that is disclaimers fraud. you might avoid a fraud suit of some kind but I that that is. That is not a place you don't want to stand there and talk to a judge and explain to him why you took wages you never planned to pay. That's, we that's posted on the sure website. True. Oh no, you can't. <laughs> don't 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 put money in here if you're from New York or Wisconsin or Florida. 
Yeah. Oh no, Brick Gambler, don't throw me into that briar patch. No, it's not going to fly. <laughs> and that's something that I, I really should emphasize for your listeners, especially those who are developers or producers or who are thinking about this kind of thing. Um, aside from criminal prosecution, which is very much in its infancy in the U.S. for internet gambling, but certainly exists, what most people are not aware of is that there every state that allows gambling, which is all but two, um, has a gaming regulatory agency. Its power and authority varies tremendously state by state. In Nevada, obviously, it's pretty much a third branch of government, uh, or fourth branch of government, sorry, <laughs> lost count, uh, in states where all they have is class one Indian casinos, um, Native Americans, I beg your pardon, not quite as extensive jurisdiction and power. But if you irritate them, they have the authority, sometimes independently, sometimes through the state attorney general, to basically go after you for regulatory violations, which may or may not put you in the pokey, but can certainly cost you a lot of money to defend. And the fines are huge. You, you, unless you've seen some of these reports with your own eyes, you have no idea how much money these regulators can suck out of you if you break their rules. And guess I, who gets to decide whether you broke the rules? Yeah, not you. Exactly. <laughs> That's usually the rule. So I said we wouldn't go down the rabbit hole, and then I pulled us directly down the rabbit hole. Let's Thanks. take a step back and go back to, uh, and not to pick on Counter-Strike, but they just have one of the most obvious yeah, uh, boxes here. Yeah. Dota has the same thing. The thing that makes Valve different is they have their own, that they control, marketplace, where you are allowed to sell the things you get in those boxes to other people for real-world Money, which again is arguable because it is certainly with a dollar sign and assigned to real world value, bucks. but it's still it's still Steam credits. Let's let's wait on that art part of the argument. Do you have any doubt in your mind that a, a Counter Strike gambling box is gambling? No legal advice on the internet. No, I have no doubt whatsoever <laughs> uh, that in most in most U.S. jurisdictions, if you tried to use that as the basis for a, a gambling claim, that you would be in big trouble. I, I entirely agree with you. Uh, I think that they are. 1,000% gambling with all of the disclaimers we have run before the show again, of course, yes. But, uh, you know, the, the the every criteria is met. I personally have seen people addicted to it. I've personally seen people treat it as, you know, real money in, in other instances. But let's get to that factor. So I'm getting Steam credit. Uh, we already said it doesn't have to be money or real currency. It just has to be value. But what? let's play law school and be on the other side of that argument. Sure. What are the legal arguments to uh, against treating this virtual Steam credit currency as value? Um, you can't take it out of the system is the biggest one. And okay. there have been there have been cases. Um, I don't know any off the top of my head of, of Steam or Valve credits, but there have been similar cases. You know, individual federal jurisdictions or individual states, there's a handful of them, where by and large the defense of yeah, technically we call it money in the system, and you can technically buy things from us with it, but you can't take it out of the system, so the court is just not going to treat it as actual currency or actual something of value because it's so limited. Um, you know, in the five jurisdictions where there are cases like that uh, in district court, maybe you feel a little better, but guess what? Uh, ultimately, unless a state Supreme Court or the, or the United States Supreme Court has decided you know, as we say in law school, nobody knows what the law is until the Supreme Court decides what it is. That's right. And right. and uh, in a real world application, you can absolutely take those steam credits out of the system. Uh, you know, it, it is very easy to I mean, there's a plethora of ways you can buy keys yes. and sell them on other websites. 
what Austin has done many times, not been the one selling, but he certainly bought from them, is uh, not to rat you out, Mr. Austin, you illegal jerk. But, uh, but I mean, he, you know, you use all those websites where you buy games at half price, basically, because someone wins with through through or or has steam credits buys games on steam and then sells them into real world money yeah one popular way way is somebody gets games either like because by region or something but they're not region lock games Mm -hmm. so they get them discounted and then like oh let's say i want to buy a game that's not even up for sale but it's normally 50 bucks they'll sell it to me for like 20 bucks on paypal right and and again you know to go back to our law school exercise and my my limited selection of precedent some of that handful of cases was like that. And the, the courts that have decided have basically said, if the provider of the service, you know, in, in this case, Valve and Steam, doesn't enable that, it doesn't matter that there's something outside, especially if the terms of service say you're not supposed to do that, because now it's their breach of contract that sure, is but causing what, it to have value. But when you get so to Counter-Strike, it. <laughs> then it goes away. Yeah, well, why, well, well, hold on. Why is that? Because Counter-Strike is part of the system this the things now have value that you can prove through the person who's originally providing them there's you know a a chain of custody if you if you want to say privity of contract all those great legal phrases from law school where i can trace it all the way to the end where the person who entered the who paid the consideration to play and took the chance and won and got a prize of value can liquidate it through the person who gave them all three of those operations. That is just inherently different. I'm not saying that they're going to lose or win in any given court, but I'm saying if you try to argue back to these cases that we have seen, this tiny handful of them, where the secondary market was completely outside the control of the provider and, in fact, usually explicitly against their terms of service, that the courts then ruled no no value, therefore no gambling. That's well, not but this 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 sec. But to get to real world money is certainly outside of Valve's control and and against their terms of service. Yeah, you uh, you, you add money in to buy keys and you unlock boxes of keys. You get things with that. You could sell those, but only for other. Only you know what's going like to determine ins- who yeah. wins that one? No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't know, but I would say Valve is so aware and complicit in the people doing what they're doing with these these third party markets that. Uh, I, I can't imagine a defense where they would win. I can tell you, you know, with a, a reasonable degree of certainty, and they have lawyers who are, you know, probably at least as good as me, hard as that is to believe. No way. Uh, where, <laughs> where, you know, they're thinking about this. What's going to determine it is whether the judge in the case is technologically literate or not. Oh, oh well, that's certainly true. I have well, read a few of these opinions. And in almost every one where the ju- where the case kind of just immediately goes away for lack of value, for lack of prize, uh, in my opinion, after reading the opinion, the judge literally did not understand what was going on. Yeah, and that, that- he, he knew that you couldn't. It wasn't an ATM. You can't take cash out of it. You can't sell it. You can't trade it for a big screen TV. You know, without some shenanigans. And the judge says, "Well, obviously, there's no real prize here. This is all just blips on a screen. You know, these crazy kids these days. Who knows? Trading in numbers." And yeah, judges are getting, you know, I'm I'm getting to the point where, you know, I'm probably never going to be appointed to a judge because, you know, qualifications. But I'm getting to the point <laughs> in my career where people my age and at my level of technological ability are going to start to be appointed to judge to judgeships and to win judgeships. And if I'm the judge in that case, you lose. I will oh, yeah. not entertain your mission, your your motion to dismiss. Absolutely. I mean, it. but you are also 
super rare in terms of your knowledge of the industry and, and technology in general. You are a gamer. You know, I see you at game events, the There's ones that where too. we don't get clients from it. We're just there being fans. You know, that, that those exist. And, and I am a, a gamer, so that's fair. But again, I still think that the risk is increasing as the technological literacy of judges and prosecutors, by the way, and, and juries for that matter, but certainly judges and prosecutors, continues to increase. I cross my fingers on that every day. I, 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 I am unfortunately a little more pessimistic, and I think that even the next round of judges are going to be pretty computer illiterate uh, for, for the most part. And I, I'm a strong advocate for that we need to have a conversation as a country about a second or separate kind of tech court or even technology Supreme Court. Uh, I think that we're just we're making a lot of bad decisions because, it, like you said, just pure un, not understanding of what's going on. And that's yeah. going to I mean, that's the case by the time I'm of age to be a judge, not that I ever would be invited. <laughs> uh, you know, there's uh, I won't know the technology of the day. It's just it, tech is moving too quickly. And it's 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 very frustrating to watch. But you won't um, think of computers as a magic box. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and you won't think of them as toys either. I, 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 I think told that's this, as much as anything. Yeah, I told the story once. We were uh, doing a trademark opposition, I believe it was. It's been a while. And uh, the, the opposing counsel was an older gentleman who said uh, every single video game is basically just reskinned electronic chess. <laughs> and uh, had no idea and went on and on about how every Might game be the smartest man ever. Yeah, right. <laughs> I thought all games were just ping pong, variants of ping pong, as George yeah, Trump exactly, said. Exactly. <laughs> and the way he described it, it's it's as if he never saw chess on Windows or anything, and he thought everybody <laughs> was playing the one on the Millennium Falcon. Uh, <laughs> it's, you know, such is life. But so, I, 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 long story short, we we are with disclaimers attached. We are of the the like mind that uh, Counter Strike and Dota boxes are intrinsically gambling. I think we basically agree on on the idea that the rest of them are too. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. This summer, it's the perfect time to create your own website. You can make a splash for your business. With Squarespace, you can create a beautiful website to showcase your work. You can sell products and services of all kinds. You can promote your physical or even online businesses, because it's online, on the internet. Squarespace does this by giving you beautiful templates created by world-class designers, analytics that help you grow in real time, built-in search engine optimization, 24-7 award-winning customer support, and nothing to patch or upgrade ever. You get free and secure hosting with Squarespace. People that use Squarespace are people like jewelry designers, clothing designers, instructors, record labels, gyms and studios, real estate brokers, and gamers. Check out Squarespace at squarespace.com. Register a domain name, start your free website or online store trial. When you're ready to launch, use offer code ROBOT to save 10%. That's offer code ROBOT. When when I tweeted out you were going to be on the show, there was an endless amount of questions and, and tweets coming at you. Uh, were there before I go through my list? Were there any that jumped out at you that you wanted to just make sure we touched on? Um, there were a lot of good questions and a lot of good analogies, and I think I would just answer them generally like this: In the law, as you know. When you have a good analogy, you know, you feel really good about your case, even though there's no direct case on on your thing. But you can analogize it to, you know, one person analogized it to baseball cards. 
which I thought was a, a really good analogy, quite frankly. But the problem with analogies is if your analogy fails, you have basically admitted that what you did would would be illegal if this analogy didn't make it illegal. That is not a good place to be, especially when you consider that you are at the mercy of judges and prosecutors and gambling regulators who all have huge amounts of power that you literally know nothing about. Well, we hear the baseball card analogy often. So why is that not gambling? Well, a lot of it is just because judges said so. Uh, (laughs) You know, the common law. Hooray. Uh, I would argue that a lot of it is because of perceived value versus chance versus the the uh, the consideration paid. You know, I I have no idea what a pack of baseball cards costs these days. I'm sorry. I'm old. Um, (laughs) Say they say they cost five bucks. Well, you open it up, you get I don't think they put gum in them anymore. Um, All the good ones you you get (laughs) you get the cards. There's I don't know. What are they? 15, 20 cards in there. I have no idea. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, right around 15. And the, so that averages out to, you know, say there's 20 cards in there. That averages out to a quarter a card. Is that somehow proportionate to, you know, what you paid in to what you got out, even if none of them, you know, maybe they really aren't sellable for a quarter. But maybe you could say eh, a quarter is they could be. It's not really gambling because what you put in is what you got out. There was there's no chance, so to speak. There may be a chance that you might get more, but there's never a chance that you're going to get less. It's and I've also, seen some, yeah, it's also some arguments strange. to that effect of some of these loot boxes always have something in them. That's not an entirely valid argument, but the question of what it's worth versus what it costs is always going to be important. And it's also uh, the, the dangling of stuff in front of you. When I opened a pack of baseball cards as a kid, which I did often, mm-hmm. I wasn't opening that to get a Mickey Mantle rookie card. You know, right. I just... It's, it's not being advertised on the title screen as I log into the game as get this item in this loot box. I was buying a pack of baseball cards because I liked getting baseball cards, and that was the value of it. I enjoyed them. And sure, there was rare ones that were worth more money, but I wasn't selling them. I just wanted to collect some cards. Right. I thought they were cool. I opened you that Overwatch. You might get some benefit that was greater than what you paid for, but you always got the benefit that you did pay for. So basically, the baseball card company was giving you a gift. If they gave you a rare card. I never once opened a pack of baseball cards and was like, ah, crap, I didn't get anything I wanted. Never once. I always enjoyed it. Did you feel that way about Magic the Gathering cards? uh, I mean, well, we we can get there, too. That's almost, it's getting in between the two worlds certainly more. But in Overwatch, 99% of those boxes I open are, ah, crap, that was a waste of money. You want Um, something specific. Or not even, I just keep getting the same things or duplicates or just whatever. It's, it's, uh... You know, it's not what I'm looking for. And, I, I, you know, again, Overwatch is the one least likely to be picked on right now. So we should switch over to Counter-Strike. But same same thing. I, I Those those boxes rarely have what you want. And you are buying them for a purpose. In Dota, for example, they will show you, here's the 30 skins in this. Uh, and the rare skin was always great. And they don't tell you the percentages, but they're probably, you know, 0.02% you're going to get that rare skin. And some of my friends buy them until they have it. You know, it's just, it's... Uh, it's it, it just feels like gambling, and again, legally, I think it is gambling. And, and uh, I'll give you an analogy. I know I just warned about analogies, but I'll give you the reverse one <laughs> that I have not seen a lot of people raise, because unless you are been involved in regulated gambling, you wouldn't necessarily be familiar with it. There are things called sweepstakes cafes. Um, there have been Internet ones that have people have actually gone to jail for operating, but I'm going to give you the classic analogy because it has to do with cards, and I'm countering the baseball card analogy. In these cafes, they sell what are allegedly prepaid phone cards, you know, like you could buy for, for any pay-as-you-go phone. 
or at, back in the, the, the dark ages, you could buy them for making calls on actual landlines by calling a special number. And you'd get, say the thing costs $5. And when you buy the card, you get $5 worth of phone time. And you also are allegedly entered into an instant sweepstakes where you could win a lot more money, which could be just be paid out by the operator of the cafe or whoever was selling the cards. Those, uh, some laws had to be amended, but in many cases the law came out to be, well, it turns out that these phone, these phone minutes, while technically you, you have assigned them a value of $5, are actually not worth anything because no one ever uses them. You know, nobody ever takes this phone card and calls grandma with it ever. You know, they, they literally would subpoena the company and say, show us your records of people making <laughs> phone calls <laughs> with these cards. And they came back. Well, it turns out that, you know, our customers are, are very selective. And like, no, because you're not selling phone time and you're not fooling anybody. And those people have been prosecuted and successfully, both civilly and criminally, uh, for sell for participating in an unlawful sweepstakes. Yeah, I, I think that is also right. Uh, now, and again, I want to just re-clarify. I don't, I don't know your uh, politics or philosophy on it, but I am not anti-gambling. I just think that gambling needs to be regulated because it gets very dangerous and addictive and a lot of other things. Uh, I've seen lives destroyed over it, but I am not anti-gambling. I wish there was a more legal way for me to bet on the NFL every week. Uh, I, but, I could not agree more. I mean, I was the general counsel of a company that made legal gambling right. machines for years. You know, <laughs> right. if, if I didn't agree that at some level that was OK, I, I you know, hopefully morally I would have left. But I agree <laughs> with you in that. And so does every state and every court and pretty much every country, for the most part, that it needs to be regulated for social benefit purposes. It has and, to be a net social absolutely. good and, or, and it's, it's, or it's criminal. But I just know that the first hundred tweets after we put this episode up are going to be, ah, you guys just hate gambling. No, that's no, not I am this totally is. fine with adults gambling. To And by the way, um, a, you know, an old analogy, I don't know if they still do this. It used to be that you'd log on to World of Warcraft and you'd have people who would offer to do gambling with you, basically. You know, you bet, you give me so much gold and I will uh, roll a die. And if, if the die comes up a certain percent then i'll give you more gold and if not i keep your gold okay Absolutely remember i remember now, those <laughs> i occasionally would write these down um i usually flag people because i'm a lawyer and a big jerk but i would write these down and actually figure out their their pay tables the the odds that they were offering and if you set a slot machine to the odds on those games in nevada you would go to jail <laughs> that because bad? they they were so so low um, slot machines and all forms of legal gambling have minimum payouts, usually north of 80 percent, sometimes higher, depending on the jurisdiction. So if somebody says, oh, you hate gambling. Well, no, I don't hate gambling. I want people to know that the game is fair. You know, right. never mind rigged games, which exist in numbers vast beyond comprehension. Honestly, in Illinois, we still have bus for them all the time, even though you can get legal slot machines to put in your bar because they don't pay enough. So they still buy the cheap ones that have a pay table at 30 percent and they're scamming you. I I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. There's there's an endless amount of rigged gambling stuff online and it's it's maddening. Uh, but you also said something that I, I don't even think you meant just to just throw it out there. But you said uh, you're OK with adults gambling and. That feels obvious, but yes. the problem here is these are a lot of kids playing these games. And sure, there's there's cop out there. Uh, probably no one under 12 and under is playing, even though we, of course, know they are. <laughs> uh, but but let's look at the 13 to 18 where they're still a minor 
and they're still very much gambling the same way uh, with these, excuse me, with these loot boxes. Uh, is that something that is going to, when when government looks at this, whenever that might be, is that going to be a second sledgehammer these companies get hit with? Or is it going to be a, you know, this is gambling and from now on do it the right way? From a criminal law perspective, it's probably not that much of a factor from a civil and a regulatory perspective. It's huge. I don't know if you've discussed this in the show or if you happen to be familiar with it. Uh, do you know about an event called the Kampu Gacha Shock in Japan? Yes. So I, I was actually just going to bring that up, but please take us through. It's, it's. I mean, from my understanding of it, it, it was basically a real world kind of slot machine deal that's now been put in almost every one of their virtual mobile games. And the mobile companies did it to such a capacity where it's 90% of their incomes and the government finally had to come in and, and basically shut it down, right? Right. And without getting into the technical aspects of it, because, you know, again, everybody will explain to you why it's different. The point is so many of these games targeted or were incidentally aimed at kids. I mean, you know, think of Joe Camel. Joe Camel, you know, Camel, I honestly believe that Camel was not trying to sell cigarettes to 12-year-olds. I, I really don't want to believe that anybody there was that immoral. But when you have a cartoon character advertising your cigarettes, I kind of understand the point of maybe we should be very careful about that. And I remember being a kid and thinking Joe Camel was cool, and I still smoke Camel cigarettes. So I'm There you go. <laughs> uh, so when you look at this Kampugacha thing, never mind any particular analogy or technical, the way they ran it. The problem was it was aimed at kids, and when you get enough of the public or even enough of a regulatory or legislative body interested in something that you're doing to kids, whether you meant to or not, you are going to be in a world of hurt because, first of all, these people do really have the job of protecting the public. And I, I've never met a gaming regulator who I didn't honestly believe wanted to do that. I've met some who were perhaps a little more inflexible than I would have thought was necessary. But really, this is what they this is what they do. This is what they signed up for. Many of them, by the way, are former state policemen or other forms of uh, of former law enforcement officers. So that's the kind of mentality you're going to be dealing with. You know, which is another thing to keep in mind. It's shocking. People forget. I, I, I don't want to just gloss over that. Like, I, we've dealt with them quite a bit on the, the Counter-Strike gambling uh, issue that's obviously still ongoing. Everybody wants immediate results on the Internet, but that's just not how the law works. And no. there's still plenty of attorney generals uh, dealing with it and, and obviously uh, state gambling commissions. I am blown away at the gambling commission's actual want to understand this and fix it and take care of their constituents. You know, it's it's not a... It is not like the evil over body that I would have assumed it was. No. It, yeah. It, Absolutely it's, not. It's super interesting to me because I really, I, I don't know. I figured the, the gambling commission was like, you know, mafia light and it's just not. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is, that is actually, you know, why a lot of this comes into existence because everybody, you know, who's seen Casino, the movie, right. or, you know, everybody else assumes that the, that the, that the outfit, the wise guys, whatever you want to call them, still are all over in regulated gaming. They are not, and it is because of these men and women. That is literally their job, to make sure these games are fair and that they're not operated by criminals. So when they come in and see you doing this, you know, again, coming from a police, former police mindset, and a protect, to, to protect the public is their mandate. Their mandate is not, oh, unless it's illegal, it's legal. Their mandate is, if it's not legal, it's illegal. You know, they don't you don't have to say, show me in the law where it says I can't do this. You have 
they can say to you, show me in the law where it says you can do this or <laughs> you're, you're done. Uh, and then so the only other two things I want to touch on uh, before Austin grabs some tweets and, and goes that way is uh, the, a lot of attorneys I really respect and a lot of uh, people who, who are not attorneys but understand the law as an academic, uh, th their main argument that they consistently throw out there is that you, you get a prize every time when you open a loot box. Uh, and it's it, it, there is no losing, per se. You always mm -hmm. get something. Now, I might disagree with that. I think, I, I mean, I do disagree with that. But that is such a, a rampant argument amongst people that I know understand the law and, and are intelligent. So it, it sounds like you disagree with that. And again, disclaimers attached. What what are your just gut feelings on that argument? I mean, I know as clear as crystal that I can make a very sound analogy to those sweepstakes cards. And there's, again... All you clever startup Silicon Valley people who think you're coming up with a new and an innovative way to conduct gambling that isn't illegal. No, some <laughs> some sleazy route operator tried it 40 years ago, whatever you came up with. But in any event, there are couldn't tell you how many cases clear as crystal on the books just because you say you're giving them something and therefore it's just an even swap. It's a purchase with a chance to win a gift. No, courts have explicitly said, no, that will not fly. And I just wanted to make sure that everyone who's been tweeting at me that hears that screenshot it and you live your life. Uh, <laughs> uh, awesome. So uh, the ESRB last last one. They mm -hmm. are the I commonly tout them as the reason we don't have more government regulation in video games. Big fan of theirs in the sense that they keep the true idiots in the government away from technology. Now though they came out and said. ESRB does not consider loot boxes to be gambling. While there's an element of chance in these mechanics, the player is always guaranteed to receive in-game content even if the player unfortunately receives something they don't want. We think of it as a similar principle to collectible card games. Sometimes you'll open a pack and get a brand new holographic card you've had your eye on for a while. But other times you'll end up with a pack of cards you already have. And and that's the ESRB's uh, stance on that. Which we just ran through, I think... You know, again, I have the utmost respect for the ESRB, but I, I certainly disagree with them on this. And it, it, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Mark, but what does this hold water in a, in a true kind of outside of the game industry context? Well, here's where I go with that. First of all, couldn't agree more. Great respect for the ESRB. They do a lot of good for our industry. Big fan. This argument is not inherently illogical. It's, it goes right back to that analogy. They've picked what really boils down to the baseball card analogy. They're doing CCGs because, you know, it's modern times. But it, it's the same argument as baseball cards. In some jurisdictions, that might work. In other jurisdictions, it is much more problematic. Um, and it ultimately boils down to lawyers always like to talk about questions of law and questions of fact. Whether or not somebody who is allegedly placing a wager is receiving back enough value to make it not a game of chance is a question of fact that the prosecutor has to decide whether he thinks he can convince a jury beyond a reasonable doubt. The civil attorney who wants to file a class action has to decide whether he thinks he can prove it to a jury, you know, more likely than not by a prevalence of the evidence or whatever the standard might happen to be in that jurisdiction. And the regulator can basically say, I don't care. And that's a, another dirty little secret. Again, you they don't have to show you why it's legal. You have to show them. And if they say, you know, they, they don't even have to say it's illegal. They just have to say, right. show me it's legal or you're done. 
you know, prove, prove the positive, not the negative. And so while I respect the ESRB, I think that is a very dangerous argument for people to rely on who plan to operate any kind of potential online gaming or gambling situation. And certainly anybody who's looking at a large amount of money, because not only are you looking at prosecute, you know, criminal prosecutors, civil attorneys, gaming regulators, you are looking at legislators who are going to get complaints. And we go down the Kampu Gacha road where you're targeting kids and I don't care about your argument. I'm going to pass this law. And suddenly this revenue stream that you've bet the company on goes away overnight. And that does happen. Um, if you're familiar at all with the uh, unlawful internet gambling enforcement act of 2006, uh, that pretty much literally overnight cut the feet out from under several very large internet gambling companies that had been doing all kinds of business in the U.S. And then, the, you know, one day it was arguably not illegal. The next day it was definitely illegal and overnight it went away. Wow. I mean, Total Biscuit is, uh, I, I, for anybody who's on my Twitter, you see that, that John and I argue about this stuff all the time, but we're usually on the, the same side, uh, especially on this one. He, he said uh, in a recent video, uh, if, if you are including these kind of mechanics in the games, uh, I, I had it written down and I lost it and my computer just re basically shut down on me. So long story short, uh, paraphrasing his quote, he basically said that if you're going to have loot boxes, the game needs to at least be mature rated. And uh, the fact that Battlefront 2 has real-world gambling is outrageous with a team rating. Uh, and that's not even loot boxes. It's apparently an actual gambling system. Uh, you know, there's... It, 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 I agree. I mean, it is mind-blowing to me that the ESRB came out with this statement. I, I can't tell you how many consults I'm going to have now with clients where they're going to hold up this article to me and I have to tell them, no, I, I disagree with that. I don't think that's correct. And uh, it's it's... I, I again, with all of the disclaimers and caveats that I really respect everything the ESRB does as a whole, I think this was a, a fairly irresponsible statement, and I hope that they come forward a lot harsher on these boxes before the gambling commissioners and governors do. Where, where and they are, I mean, the, not not ESRB, but the the traditional legislators and enforcement agencies are noticing this stuff now. This is no longer off their radar, and I think that we we as an industry need to come to terms with that and fix it ASAP. Absolutely. I wonder if games actually start requiring a mature rating in order to have stuff like loot boxes, if we'll see them get toned down or eliminated in games, because they're a huge revenue stream that I personally am not necessarily happy about because I find myself dropping like $20 or $30 on either like Destiny Silver or... <laughs> I mean, when I was playing Overwatch, I spent like 50 bucks when that game came out on loot because I find myself with a little bit of extra money. I'm like, oh, I can totally sell this. Um, I'm in sales. I can sell myself on things that I yeah. kind of want and make it a definite. And I, I hate that because I'd rather not have any of my games at all. But uh. right. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and, it's frustrating. And, and now they have it in games like Shadow of War, which is a, a wholly single player game. And... Well, that's what sparked this whole kerfuffle right now with shadows of war you basically can uh the, you can only get certain orcs through the, the paid loot boxes i believe and uh they have that, two that's... different tiers of loot boxes and the, the funny thing is with that game is that a lot of the stuff that you get from loot boxes basically help you circumvent the game itself so you're cutting <laughs> out some content but i saw somebody I, I... joke you're paying them more money to play less of their game <laughs> yeah, uh, but but there but there are some people like like I can control myself most of the time. But sometimes, like if I start playing a new game and I'm excited about it, I might have just spent sixty dollars in that game. But the company will probably get an extra twenty dollars out of me for their 
terrible what i would prefer be behind like uh like an achievement lock mm-hmm. is you know is me pay, me me spending a 20 dollar lock and, and i i would add that i would say you know again no free legal advice to anybody who's thinking of this once you start getting into tiered systems or you can pay more for a better chance but you don't get more for paying the more the closer you get to that the closer you get to gambling um, I know that marketing is always looking for sources of revenue. I know that developers always love to come up with innovative concepts and ways to engage players. But again, you're not going to think of anything that somebody hasn't thought of before as far as ways to look, make gambling not look like gambling. And you're not fooling anybody. <laughs> right. And I, I, we're, we're going a little long, and I don't want to uh, keep you too long, Mark, on this beautiful Sunday. But uh, so we're we're gonna skip the Twitter questions, and it's, we honestly we've covered most of them anyway. Is there anything you want to plug, or any last thoughts you want to leave us with? No, I mean I would just repeat again that whatever the uh, the esteemed ESRB says, whatever you know anybody with an LLM from the Twitter school of law may have to say about it, <laughs> uh, you are doing this at your own risk. You know I couldn't tell you how many dozens of gambling cases I've read. I couldn't I've. I have findings of suitability in at least four different states, and I've helped other people get them in more than 30, probably more than 100 jurisdictions if you count Native American jurisdictions. All these regulators do what they want. They have a mandate from the from the legislature to protect the public. And eventually, so does the legislature. Can you make some quick money this way? Yes, you can. Are you going to go to jail for it? Probably not. Uh, again, not legal advice, but event you cannot hitch your wagon to this horse in the long run because they're going to eventually figure out what's going on and they're going to come down hard. I mean, if you want to see any more evidence of that, just look at what happened to DraftKings and FanDuel. In exactly. To the attorneys general, it was it was like dominoes. And you know, commercials. Yeah. All of a sudden, somebody put this in front of those gaming regulators and they were like, "What are you nuts? Of course, this is gambling. Stop it right now." Also, though, don't rely on the fact I I can't tell you how many clients say this to me. Oh, well, Valve's still doing it. And until they get in trouble, I'm going to do it just because a company's bigger than you doesn't mean they're going to get gone after first. And in fact, you're easier to go after when you're a small. They are going to target somebody who's in the sweet spot of just big enough that they can claim a big victory and just small enough that they cannot afford the kind of lawyers that Valve or Activision or somebody like that has. Because, you know, while I like to think I'm reasonably priced. I am not cheap, and I don't believe that anybody at your firm is either. Um, And you don't want to be paying me hundreds and hundreds of dollars an hour to stand there and defend you when they're thinking, if they can get you, then Valve is next. That's that's exactly right. Don't rely on that, please. Don't be someone's stepping stone. Right. All right. Don't don't be that perfect target. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Thank you, guys. It's good to be back. Thank you for putting up with the three weeks of just Austin and O'Connor. I know it was awful in hell, and they're the worst. (laughs) Uh, but uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Ryan Morrison. You can follow me at, on Twitter at Robot Austin. Mark you can see me at Twitter at, at Legal Inspire. And you can follow the show at Robot underscore Congress. Please subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave some reviews. We love hearing from you guys. Five stars only. Thank you. Hashtag and five stars only. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>